0: 14 ncaa tournament we
1: got a court storm in the big east i guess they've arrived huh and this will lead up to a wonderful weekend at Madison square garden oh my sign me up for another dose of villanova yukon
0: hey sign me up for another dose of villanova yukon as well wow what a scene it was in harford on tuesday night following yukon's dramatic, intense 71-69 victory over Villanova. Husky fans storming the court at the XL Center after UConn overcame a four-point deficit in the final 26 seconds. They stunned the Wildcats and sent the sellout crowd of more than 15,000 into a frenzy. It's February, but it sure feels like March. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to episode 28 of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My name is Brian DeNavellis and we begin with the game of the week in the Big East Conference. The game of the night in all of college basketball between number 21 UConn and number 8 Villanova. This game had it all. I mean, it had an ejection of UConn head coach Danny Hurley with about five minutes remaining in the first half. It had a sellout crowd. Four technical fouls in all, two for Hurley, one for Andre Jackson, another for Justin Moore. It had controversy, questionable officiating, yes, but it had drama, outstanding defense, lead changes, late game heroics, and a storming of the court. What more could you ask for? Just another night in the Big East Conference, right? Hey, it is my pleasure to welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, the man who's orchestrated this turnaround in stores, the man who got those 15,000 fans and an entire state of Connecticut all fired up, Dan Hurley, head coach of UConn.
1: Coach, did you get much sleep last night? <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> it was hard, Brian. You know, it, um, you know when 1.30 turns to 2.30 and you're still pretty amped up. And I, I think, what was I watching? Um, I was watching like Narcos, narcos mexico at like 345 (laughs) trying to get my mind off of just everything that that transpired during the game and you know and and it being like late in the year too brian where for us that was game eight in three weeks it was our eighth big east game in, in in 21 days um which is intense and you know, we, we had been on a run of 20 straight days of practices or games. So and at the end of our Xavier game, I felt like we were maybe a little bit running out of gas. Um, but that crowd yesterday um, and the opponent, you know, just brought out the best in our, in, in our program and in our players. So I, I learned
0: two things about Danny Hurley in the last 24 hours. Fox in their pregame report said you have candles and aromatherapy in your, your office to kind of soothe you. And and now you watch Narcos at 3 45 AM to help you go to sleep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably should watch some a different type of show if I'm trying, right? Like that's probably hey, not right. So,
0: so you've been outspoken about the crowd at Gampo Pavilion versus Hartford, but man, have you been involved in UConn in a better atmosphere than last night at Villa against Villanova? I mean, the
1: uh, you know. The, the the closest since I've been here was 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 year two when when we really started to turn it here, the end of my second year I think we won eight of our last ten and five in a row, and James Booknight as a freshman was was beginning to make a name for himself and Christian Bital, you know finished the year at, at a high level. So we played Memphis there late in the year and uh, we had a sellout crowd and a cook a cook towards Achilles and th- there was an emotion in the building that day um, that what was unique to my experience of playing in there. And, and, and yesterday we, we, it was that and, you know, times a hundred. Um, I don't think anyone would question if you went to that game yesterday, you would say that that's the best venue the, that I've been in in a long time to watch a college basketball game. And then every time we play in Gamble, um, it feels like that. So, you know, hopefully the program is now at a point where, Night in and night out, we're going to have crowds like that, whether it's Gamble or DXL. So before I get
0: to the win, the technical, unfortunately, is a, a huge part of this, this game and the story of how it unfolded. So, Danny, from your perspective, now less than 24 hours later, what's your perspective on not only the first technical, but then surprisingly, when you got the second one? Have you received an explanation yet?
1: Yeah, i um. You know, a couple things could be true about about the same thing. You know, I, I don't. Um, I've always like looked at life like that, in in a, in a reasonable way. You know, I I look at it like, yeah, you know, I don't feel like um, I certainly was deserving of of uh, of the technical foul or fouls or the ejection. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, my reaction to Tyrese's missed layup was. Um, You know, it was me hitting the scorer's table, um, which then the referee interpreted um, and five or six seconds later called a technical foul. And then, you know, as Gillespie's heading to the foul line, my intent was to get the crowd involved before an opposing player shot a free throw. Um, It's the way I coach. I'm passionate. I'm intense. Uh, My players feed off that. Um, My fan base feeds off that. Um, I've had a lot of success in my career. You're doing this with a lot of passion and a lot of intensity and living the job every day. Um, so, with that being said, um, you know, the other part that's true is that I can't put myself in that position. I can't, um, you know, put the program in, in that position uh, where uh, I'm, I'm not out there on the court with my team and staff fighting alongside them. So, uh, I can't put myself in that position, but I also don't think it was warranted. So, two things could be true.
0: And and I couldn't agree with you more. Listen, we can debate about the first one, but I've seen Steve Peichel, I've seen Juwan Howard, and maybe that's a bad example right now, but I've seen so many different coaches try to fire up their fans at a different point in the game. And obviously you're using that to your advantage. So, in my opinion, James Breeding, the official, needs to have a cooler head there, knowing what's at stake, knowing the emotion in this game, and knowing that you're talking about two programs, you know, in late February. And To make a call like that, at that point of the game, and to affect it, kicking, ejecting, the head coach of one program out. Man, you better be damn sure that, that he did something that was totally over the line. You don't have to comment on that. That's my opinion. So with that said, you're watching the game back there and you can't be out there with your team, Dan. So you must've been watching it on, on the, on some type of screen. And I know you talked to your team at halftime. So what was that like?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was surreal. Um, you know, cause the the, the only other two times in, in my career, I've been ejected once as a high school coach <laughs> at St. <laughs> Benedict's. Um, and then, you know, and then twice prior to this as a college coach. And, um, you know, those are those were like later in the second half. Um, you, know, you know, the Iowa game at the Garden. Um, uh, you know, the day after we beat Syracuse with the with the gift, you know, the chest bump with Jalen Adams, the Syracuse. Mm-hmm. That's been well, uh, well, well traveled. Um, and, and then, uh, and then at Tulsa, when I went to shake hands with uh, um, with my friend Frank Haith, the ref came running in and threw me out on my birthday in Tulsa. So you know, this was a lot different though. It was a lot more at stake in this game. Uh, it was surreal to watch it. Um, and, and like looking at my play sheet and trying to anticipate, you know, what we would call and looking at the substitution rotations and, and and living and dying with every dribble and every pass and every shot. It was uh, at halftime. I was able to get in there and, um, you know, and, and talk to them about the first half and, and uh, meet with the staff and, and, You know, I've got, I've always been smart enough to insulate myself with like unbelievable coaches, Brian. And like, I don't hire buddies and cronies and and I don't hire somebody, I don't hire guys to get a player. You know, I try to hire quality assistant coaches, like guys that have head coaching potential. And, you know, to have a staff, obviously Kamani, Kamani Young, associate head coach, he's associate head coach at UConn for a reason. Uh, He's one of the very best in the business. And then to have Tom Moore and Luke Murray on the bench uh, with him there, I mean, I had three head coach quality guys on that bench while I was sitting in the locker room. So I felt a lot better.
0: No question. Kamani Young, I, I, what a job you did, bringing him into the press conference with you. I watched that press conference and he is so humble. Uh, that was pretty cool. And and he deserved that moment. And, and so did your players. So uh, to have this program, be where it is today from where you took it over four years ago you've been pointing to this moment danny and you even said you better beat us now because it's coming those words have lived in infamy and here you are you don't want to make too much of one game but is this a signature win where it's like hey this signifies uconn's back
1: in the big east yeah i mean listen brian it's you know last year i think we made like huge drives again the end of year two, you know, before COVID hits, I think we have as good a chance as anyone to win the AAC tournament. You know, in 19 and 12. We have some, some really, really good wins over, you know, Florida at home that year, Houston, at, Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, all tournament teams we beat in year two right before COVID hit. And then, you know, year three, you know, we do enough to, to be a tournament team, biggie semis, but we play a lot of the year without a lottery pick in Book Knight who's hurt. Um, you know, and and you know, he leaves early for the NBA. And you know, now we're a 20 and seven team that dealt with dealt with a lot of injuries this year. You know, two key guys missed very important, you know, stretch of our season with Sinogo and Tyrese Martin. How many programs, you know, could have guys of that quality miss and and still be 20 and seven and 11 and five. You know, and a team that has a chance to play for a really, really good seed in the NCAA tournament if we play well down the stretch. So how
0: about the resolve of your team with you watching those final minutes Uh, and even the final minute? I mean, to have a team come back against Villanova down four, 26 seconds left. Kamani calls the timeout after uh, Villanova misses the free throw. What did you think of the play he drew up and the shot by Polly, which then led to the tie up with Gillespie, which then led to Cole's theatrics in the final minute? Just that entire sequence over the last 30 seconds.
1: Yeah. So, you know, when we come in and, and we, we, prior to practice every day, we're probably watching film for, you know, three, three and a half hours before we get on the practice court. I use it as a time to just like, any coaches have any ideas, side outs, out unders, zone specials, anything like to get the ball somewhere. And, and again, I have a unbelievable staff, so I'm, I'm constantly getting you know, great ideas and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, X grenade was, I don't know who Kamani actually saw ran it. It's a, it's a variation of, a, of, of the same action that we ran against St. John's, um, where we got the ball to Tyrese Martin and he, he missed it, but Adonis got the rebound, got fouled. So to extend that game to overtime, it's a variation of the same side out. We ran only to get a three. And, uh, he ran it for Tyler who made it like a really, really hard three. I mean, made a tough shot. I mean, which is what you got to do at that point. And then, you know, and then I, I knew the only place that Kamani was going to go with the ball was, was to RJ, uh, off of this one baseline action and he emptied the side and he, he rejected the ball screen and made a big time play. And, uh, but again, like when, you know, you have a big time staff with, uh, you know, guys that are all head coaching quality, you know, you, you, you know that they're going to put the guys in a, in a great position to win.
0: I thought a couple of statistics were eye opening. one in one direction and one in the other direction. You're the top rebounding team in the big East they out rebounded you 28, 27. I mean, that's a low total for you, but they out rebounded you by one, but yet you won the turnover battle, which Villanova rarely loses 14 to eight. So do you think those, especially the turnover battle, do you think that played a factor in the game?
1: Yeah, it did. I, we, um, I, I think we, you know, what, what we tried to do was um, obviously try to take Dixon completely out of the game. You know, we, we, we really helped off of uh, Slater and, and Samuels and, we wanted them to take the most shots for them. You know, we, we didn't want to walk away from that game and allow Gillespie Moore or Dixon to beat us. And if we're going to lose the game, it was going to be – it was going to have to be Samuels and Slater, um, you know, doing it. And um, the guys executed it, you know, throughout the game and, um, you know, just did, a, did an unbelievable job with it. And, you know, we, we got, I think, 10 or 11, 12 more shots than them at the basket you know, so the, the, um, because of their turnovers. So, you know, the, the being out rebound, is a little bit misleading, but they did mitigate one of the best things that we do, which is the offensive rebounding. Uh, they're so sound. Mm -hmm. Jay is such an unbelievable coach. And I mean, they're they're just like so hard to beat. They're like, it's like steel or something, you know, like trying to like, um, they're so fundamental. and so solid. It's like, they're so hard to beat.
0: I, I don't and and correct. They don't beat themselves. And maybe in this case, they did in the final minutes, but I think you won it more than they lost it. And when you see all the fans <laughs> storming the court, Danny, after the game, listen, it's Yukon. Should they be storming the court? <laughs> Probably not, but I, I get it. I grew mm-hmm. up in Connecticut. I get what Yukon means to that entire state. And this is something that the fans were all juiced up for. And, you know, maybe it's the biggest win since they won the national championship in 2014. And it's Villanova, the standard bearer in the Big East. So I don't fault them one bit for storming the court. What was it like to see that? Uh, I thought you were going to run out of the locker room
1: personally, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think my athletic director, Dave Bennett, is really smart. He watched the whole game with me. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if it was like, uh, you know, uh, you know, attack uh, just to manage me, uh, make sure I didn't leave. But um, listen, when, when you come in and and for the players and the staff that have been here from day one, and, you know, we started this, uh, you know, this rebuild prior to the portal becoming, you know, like a rebuild has changed significantly in the last year or two where, you could change your fortunes quickly um, by going into the portal and bringing in five or six transfers and and reshaping your 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 organization quickly. I and mean, well, you know, when we got in here, you you had to build something or, or organically with young players and building a culture and a trust and developing young players and 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 going through the the painful process of going from bad. Um, to average, to respectable, to good, to very good, and you know, hopefully, going eventually to great and championship caliber. So, um, I just, you know, just so happy for the players. that This uh, that Connecticut is different than most places. This is like it's it's UConn. It's not the Celtics or the Red Sox or the Patriots you know, or the Knicks or the New York football giants. I mean, it, it, it's like UConn all day here. And uh, UConn is the flagship organization in sports of this state. So, um, so they, that's what they hired me to do. And it, it's what I brought all these people in around me to do, the players and the staff.
0: No doubt. It's it's UConn from Greenwich on up to Windsor Locks and stores. <laughs> so, uh, Danny, a couple more questions before... I let you go and I appreciate you coming on and taking time out of your busy schedule today. Uh, Best text you got. I'm sure you've been flooded with texts.
1: Probably from players and recruits moms. Recruits moms. Yeah. Like, or like uh, either players we have committed, uh, potentially or current players, mothers saying, um, you know, like, I would have been thrown out with you um, <laughs> a lot of like, just like former players. Um, you know, some of the weirder things was like my phone was like, when I, when I got tossed, my phone was like in the locker room. And I think like literally the first person to my, my wife came running in to see if I was okay. told her I was <laughs> fine. And then my phone started going off and it was book night it's like the last person I needed to talk to at that point was James uh, on FaceTime after he just got tossed. You know, which I don't know what like where that was in this whole build up to this game in terms of how everyone <laughs> came, how everyone came into it, but um, yeah, so <laughs> yeah,
0: and you're right. Book Knight, you know, was on his cell phone on on the court and suddenly he's in the student section. How surreal is that? Yeah, I'll
1: get back to James today. I'll I'll FaceTime James back and check in with him, but I didn't want to.
0: Great. Uh, Listen, I thought you were going to pull a Bobby Valentine and come out with, you know, the fake glasses and a mustache and go into the student (laughs) section yourself. But obviously you you held reserve there, coach. Last question. So how do you stay humble? Right. You come off an emotional high. How do you keep these guys focused? Three games left, two of them on the road at Georgetown and at Creighton and, and move on to the next one.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're obviously we're playing for a lot and, um, you know, the, every game is, is is really significant in, in terms of, uh, you know, what, what we're trying to create here, the position that we're trying to put ourselves in. Um, we, we know that, you know, we're, we're a formidable team. When, when we show up and play to our identity you know, at the defensive end, the way we rebound, you know, and, and, and how hard we play, like when we play, to our identity, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, we're, we're formidable. But uh, if we're off a tick, um, we're not, you know, we're not this prolific offensive team where we could just show up and, you know, and, and just kind of blow people away out there. So, um, you know, we, we've got to do the hard things well at, at a place like UConn, uh, too, with the history here. Um, you can't pat yourself on the back too hard <laughs> when, mm-hmm. your, when your office is right outside for, four national championship banners. So, um, being 20 and seven is great, but, um, at a place like this, there's a lot more to accomplish for us. And we're going to turn our attention to, you know, we're only four and four uh, on the road in the league this year. And, um, we've got a chance with two road games to end, to, uh, to, to improve on that.
0: And you're battling with Creighton right behind you and, and, and every team every night in this conference is just a battle in itself. So congratulations on getting to 20 wins. I'm sure there's more ahead, Uh, continued success, putting this program back on the map, Connecticut's behind you. And now the country's watching Danny. So you've put this program in a great place and very happy for you and and continued success. We will talk to you, hopefully at the big East tournament and and beyond. Yes.
1: It's uh, always great. uh, talking to you, Brian, man. Uh, Obviously a big fan and we go way back, my friend.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So I appreciate it very much. And we'll talk soon, Danny. Thank you so much. Later, man. Danny Hurley, head coach of UConn men's basketball. I I can't imagine what his cell phone was like. And and what was his wife thinking, right? Biggest win since he's been at UConn. His wife's trying to call him and he doesn't even know where his cell phone is because he was probably dancing up a storm back there in the locker room and, and couldn't be out there to hug his teammates. But I'm sure they had some celebration once the players and coaches got into that locker room that must have been some scene UConn is back this is why UConn got back into the Big East this is why the Big East welcomed UConn back for games like this for moments like this between two blue blood programs seven national championships between the two four at UConn Three at Villanova. These programs know what it's like to win. Championship cultures. That culture has returned to UConn because of Danny Hurley, Kamani Young, and that entire staff, and those players who believed that Danny Hurley could get it done. Man, it is something to see. And and we knew it was coming. This is why coaches like Kevin Willard were vocal in saying, "I I didn't want UConn back. We now see it. Dan Hurley said, you better beat us now because it's coming one year ago. It's now. It's coming. It's now. What a win for UConn. What a sight it was. What a scene it was at the XL Center, the building formerly known as the Hartford Civic Center. Hey, go ahead. You guys want to storm the court? Who am I to say? Go storm the court. Go have fun. Because if I were a student at UConn, I would have done the same thing man, I just love Big East basketball. Can't get enough of it. Can't get enough of the Big East. Can't get enough of it in the Tri-State. Every game is a battle. It's fun to watch. Thank you for listening once again to another episode of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. I can't thank Danny Hurley enough. We go back to the early 90s at Seton Hall, and it was an honor to have him on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Hey, Enjoy the games, everyone. Until next time, I'm Brian Dinovelis. Thanks for listening. So long.